Good morning. May the Lord be with you and also with you. We've entered into Lent <coughs> with this past Wednesday, with Ash Wednesday, and now, uh, although they're not counted as the days of Lent, we still observe uh, at least the character of Lent during the Sundays. So this is the first Sunday in Lent, not of Lent, but in Lent. <coughs> Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you endured the temptations of Satan in the wilderness. So be present with us on our Lenten journey toward the cross and empty tomb, always mindful of our identity as those baptized in your name. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading, Genesis 22, first 18 verses. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come back again and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. And when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall be shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle from James chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, 
and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. O grace, mercy, and peace to all of you from Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I uh, will just select a few portions of our verses uh, from our gospel reading. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. The spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Dear friends in Christ. I'm uh, going to be away uh, in Edmonton later this week, and so this also serves as the sermon text and bits and pieces, most of it, for the sermon as well for uh, the chapel service later this week in Edmonton. The Gospel of Mark is compact. It's painting of vivid pictures with few words, and we often turn to Mark when we want more information about what order things might have happened or for more information about people and customs unfamiliar to us Gentiles. Therefore, in the first half chapter alone, Mark uses John the Baptist to connect the Old Testament scriptural ministry with Jesus' mission to fulfill salvation prophecy. And in our short seven verses, we have Jesus' baptism, his temptation in the wilderness, and his ministry mission statement. The last half of this first chapter tells us about Jesus' calling of disciples, shows his divine miraculous power over both the physical and the spirit world, and restates again that his preaching ministry was primary, as the word of God is to be primary among us. As we return and and focus in on our short verses of this text, there is a temptation to pick one of the three emphases and spend the whole time sermonizing on that one point. Indeed, there, there should at some point be a full sermon focusing on the baptism of Jesus and what that means for our own life and salvation. 
There should be, and undoubtedly will be, sermons dealing with Satan's temptation of Jesus in the desert, and what that means for our own life and salvation. And as for the last emphasis in our text, which is Jesus' ministry mission statement, what what some Christians characterize as a call to faith, Lutherans would view this as the foundational proclamation of every single sermon, every single time. Law gospel preaching is shorthand for Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus' message, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This morning, I'm I'm mostly interested in the connections and the relationships between these three sections of our verses. What is the connection between Jesus' baptism and his temptation in the wilderness? What does that have to do with our personal lives? What does that have to do with the callings we have in life? What is the connection between the temptation Jesus faced and that Satan and his minions now level at us, at each of us? And how is that related to the evangelistic task that we have personally as baptized followers of Christ and as called and ordained ministers of the gospel? And how do we do all of that in 7 to 12 or 14 minutes? Well, I would I would suggest that the simplest way to understand the connections is that Jesus went first before us through baptism, temptation, and gospel service. He filled baptism so that it becomes for us who follow a heavenly washing, gifting us with the spirit, faith, forgiveness, life, and salvation. The immediacy of Jesus' temptation in the desert following his baptism, remember the spirit drove him out into the wilderness to be tempted, the immediateness of this was related to his preparation as the way. Jesus faced Satan's temptation on our behalf even more than he faced it for himself. He faced Satan's lies and seduction, but he did not break trust. And when we are baptized into Christ and given the Spirit, we are called to follow and face Satan's lies and temptations and cling to Christ and his forgiveness and strength as he takes us in turn through this life of temptation. Many people think that the turning to Christ and baptismal faith would then make life easier, and they're shocked when instead more challenges follow. The baptismal life in Christ is not heaven now, but it is rather a clinging to Christ in faith and taking up the crosses of life and following him through the ups and downs and temptations from the enemy. Some of our Christian friends talk about spiritual warfare. Lutherans call it sanctification, and it does involve spiritual warfare. There is pain involved. There's temptation, humility, sacrifice, grief, and loss. Mixed in are great high points and glimpses of God's power and glory. Any journey, and remember the early followers of Christ called this the way, any journey of great worth has opportunity costs related to the headline destination. Similarly, our journey through life with Christ comes with a cost, even personally to us. We don't pay for forgiveness, nor, nor do we earn eternal life, but there are challenges and costs involved in taking up the cross and following 
Christ. Those who repent and believe the gospel, who take up their cross and follow so closely on the heels of Christ, often end up with the more vivid travel experiences, both of the low points and the high points. And one of the best things to remember as we consider this journey together with Christ is that is that in him, our journey is de-risked. De-risked. As in, by faith in Jesus Christ, we go where he went, and because he won over sin, death, and the devil, in Christ, by the Father's mercy and by the Holy Spirit's power, we too are taken through this world of sin, death, and even the grave. Christ did it already for us and promises to take us through it as well. It's an exciting, even chilling journey. And one that we dare not let go of the lifeline as we are pulled through it. The lifeline we know as Jesus Christ, our brother and redeemer. So God has decided that he wants to take us through this journey of sanctification on the way to the new heavens and the new earth. And there is value in the journey. But we are not just tourists on this journey. We're workers as well. God conscripts us, all of us, into the mission of Jesus Christ. Jesus was baptized, faced up to temptation, and in the third section of our text took up the challenge of proclaiming the gospel, which, like the original words of Amazing Grace, includes a call to repentance as well as the reason to heed the call. It's as if the message is, turn and come, for I have redeemed you. When we're baptized and follow Christ, we too bear the message of Christ to be proclaimed to those God puts on a path along the way. Pastors may have a public charge to proclaim and minister, but in ways, other ways, and to other people, you too, as parishioners, have a charge to proclaim and minister to those in your immediate circles. Recognizing this, Luther called fathers and mothers, even business owners and civic officials in related ways, bishops and bishopesses in their own right. Our own Lutheran Church Canada, in describing a Christian congregation, calls it people and pastor together. Jesus himself remarked on the mission and the needs when he said, The harvest is ready, but the workers are few. Pray, therefore, earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Those workers aren't just men to be pastors or men and women to be called deacons, but the the call goes out for more to join Jesus on the way, whether they be fathers and mothers, teachers, civic leaders and thinkers, technicians and professionals, to, to join us on the way and to proclaim together the kingdom of God through repentance and faith in the gospel. We, undoubtedly, we live in challenging cultural times. In some places, the message, repent and believe in the gospel, is literally on trial. Yet the needs are larger than ever, the numbers of people to be reached never higher, and the hunger for wholeness amidst the brokenness of our world grows ever greater. The Spirit has turned you and me towards the good news of Christ's redeeming love and now compels us to avoid any temptation which would put a lid on the gospel 
but rather reach out to others and invite them also to join Jesus along the way. Thanks be to our Lord Jesus Christ for incorporating us into his mission to seek and to save the lost. Amen. We pray together as our Lord taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now receive our Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his peace. Amen. Go now with peace and joy as you serve your Lord this week. Thanks be to God. Amen.